Hello everyone, this is Deborah Richardson and today I am putting the AP in Happy where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. This podcast will give a voice to accounts payable team members by talking about the growing reality of cyber attacks in their world and which vendor setup and vendor management techniques they can apply to protect the vendor master file from fraud. If you are looking for vendor process training for you or your entire vendor team, head over to my site at DeborahRRichardson.com and click on the Vendor Team Training Solved button to learn more about what is included in the monthly or annual plan and also to download a 2021 training schedule. Get the training that you and your team needs to avoid payment fraud, duplicate vendors, compliance fines, and more. On today's episode, I am going to focus on five employees who took advantage of their position and a lack of internal controls to defraud their company, one of which even had to take out a loan to survive. So if you want to hear their fraud, how long it went on, and how they were sentenced or what they're facing in sentencing, Keep listening. Welcome to episode 140, Tales from a Dark Side, Five Cases of Recent Occupational Fraud, and how to avoid. So I focus a lot on external fraud and how to prevent it, but internal or occupational fraud is just as real a threat. Now, according to the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners, or ACFE, um, their 2020 report to the nations, 5% of revenue is lost to to this type of fraud each year. And to make sure we all keep this type of fraud top of mind and put controls in place to prevent them, here are five reported cases of employee fraud along with one way, and there may be others, um, to avoid that fraudulent activity. So all of the five um, recent occupational fraud activity or cases, I pulled directly out of the headlines. Now, the first one is former Northeast Missouri City clerk pleads guilty to stealing city money. So fraudulent activity was perpetrated from January 15th to July 2019, and the fraudulent activity was identified on credit cards, uh, electronic payments, cash payments that were taken in from citizens, um, bank checks, and even payroll checks, and all that totaled $317,000. Now, I will say that of the five that are on uh, that we'll be discussing today, this one is the one that has the most expansive fraudulent activity because she did it across multiple payment methods and even brought in payroll. And in addition to that, because of all the credit card activity, she received um, $1,911 in reward funds and even spent that too. 
Now, one of the ways that she concealed the scheme was that she falsified bank cash balances on financial reports that she prepared for the monthly board meetings. She also did things like uh, submit um, uh, fake invoices to support the unauthorized checks and wires and ACHs that she sent for herself. But those financial reports um, was a big key and could have been a control to find it because one of the ways that this um, fraudulent activity could have been found and uh, then avoid it was management needed to review the supporting detail for the financial reports and basically approve or sign off prior to the monthly board meetings because had they gone in and pulled their own reports, um, they wouldn't have been able to balance um, the uh, the uh, cash balances. So uh, maybe someone else take a look at the actual bank statements and reconcile them. And then you can definitely see that the cash balances um, would not match. So that's one way to avoid. It's not the only way, but uh, management reviewing supporting detail for financial reports is definitely a way to uh, to avoid it and catch it before it gets to your board members. The second one, now this one is entitled Former San Antonio Bookkeeper Pleads Guilty to Stealing $1.7 Million. Now, fraudulent activity was perpetrated from 2012. Now, she began working there in August 2011, so she must have found how she could get around things by then. Um, so they were por- uh, perpetrated from 2012 to 2020. Fraudulent activity was identified on credit cards assigned to current or uh, former employees and bank checks. Now, to conceal the scheme, uh, they were disguised as vendor payments. And again, this sentencing uh, has not been carried out yet. It is scheduled for November of 2021. Now, one way to avoid is to have a separate person reconcile credit cards activity, including closing credit cards of employees that have left the organization. Because one of the things that she did was she was responsible for closing these credit card accounts as uh, employees uh, left the organization. Um, They turned in their credit cards and they were supposed to be turned off, but she did not. Um, She kept spending on that credit card. And so if there were a separate employee that were, that was re, um, responsible for uh, closing those credit cards and reconciling that credit card activity um, that could have been found. All right. The third one is entitled Utah woman gets two years in prison for a $1.6 million embezzlement case. Now in this one, fraudulent activity was perpetrated from 2015 to 2018 and fraudulent activity was identified on bank payments. And to conceal the scheme, um, these payments were disguised as duplicate vendor payments. And what she did was 
one payment was sent to the vendor and another payment was sent to her personal account. Now she was sentenced, she has been sentenced already and she was sentenced to two years in prison and full restitution. Now one way to avoid this is to have a separate person perform the bank statement reconciliation. This will ensure that an objective set of eyes could have investigated the continued duplicate payments. So separating the responsibility of making uh, accounts payable payments and reconciling the bank statements would have revealed this uh, fraudulent activity. All right, number four or the fourth one, uh, this one is entitled Former DRWC, that's the name of the organization, um, bookkeeper charged with stealing 2.6 million. Man, it's just getting higher and higher. Um, anyway, this fraudulent activity was perpetrated for seven years. Now, the alleged, and I say alleged because um, the defendant has not been convicted yet, but the alleged fraudulent activity uh, identified included fake vendor invoices for legitimate vendors. Um, and what happened was is that the payee name on the check for the legitimate vendor was changed to the uh, personal name of the defendant. Now, if convicted, the defendant is facing a six-year mandatory minimum sentence, and I think it can go up to 230 years, um, but also a $4.25 million fine and restitution of more than $2.6 million. Now, one way this could could have been avoided is to continuously monitor, compare the addresses and the bank accounts of employees from their payroll records against vendor records. Because remember, she was changing the payee name on the check um, uh, from legitimate vendors to her personal name. And if that was being done within the ERP, right, so it'll uh, print on the check correctly, um, and especially if someone's signing those, then that could have been caught. Now, this can be performed in the background without having to give access to this personally identifying information. So I don't recommend giving access to um, uh, employee payroll records so that you can uh, compare their bank account information and their address information against the vendor record uh, data. Uh, I just uh, recommend that it's done in the background. Maybe your IT team can set it up and then uh, a notification is sent to management anytime they find a match. Okay, so the fifth and the last one that I have for you is entitled North Andover Woman Sentence for embezzling employers' outgoing vendor payments. So this fraudulent activity was perpetrated from September 17th, 2017 to December 2019. The fraudulent activity um, identified including diverting signed vendor checks and depositing them in a personal bank account totaling $157,000. And to conceal the scheme, um, vendors were led to believe that their checks were just lost in the mail. Um, this person was sentenced to nine months in prison 
Um, and then once she got out, supervised release, along with a forfeiture of $157,000 and restitution of $157,000. Now, one way to avoid is to have a separate person reconcile vendor statements and investigate invoices that were paid but remain on the vendor statement. Now for this one, it doesn't say how, actually none of these uh, indicates how they were caught. But um, for this one, I bet one or two of those vendors uh, got tired of her saying that um, that they were already paid and that the checks were lost in the mail. That doesn't that uh, that excuse doesn't last very long and maybe it got escalated and then it was investigated. Um, but if you get a vendor statement and uh, those usually come monthly, I know not all vendors send them, but those that do, they should be uh, investigated. And those were the five. And I'll leave you with this. Um, again, none of the five um, indicated, none of the write-ups indicated how these frauds were caught. But the ACFE included in that 2020 report to the nation that 43% of frauds were detected by a tip half of which came from an employee. So make sure that you find a way to make it safe for employees to report suspected occupational fraud of other employees. So I'll leave you with that. And if you want more examples, I do have episode 64, which is called Lessons Learned from One Government Incident to Prevent Employee Fraud. And I have um, some more tips to avoid uh, occupational fraud as well in there. And then I also have episode 13. Yes, I know it's going back in time, but it is still relevant. So episode 13 is called SMBs, what a fraud risk management program can look like for you. Um, I honestly think it can help more than small and medium sized businesses. Um, it's, it's just that large businesses probably already have something in place. Um, but if you don't have anything in place, you know, your company doesn't have anything in place. Check out episode 13. So thanks everyone. I hope you enjoyed the 140th episode of the Putting the AP in Happy podcast, where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Don't forget to check the show notes for the links mentioned in the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and writing a review of my podcast on the platform that you use to listen. Stay happy. Stay happy.